some shit. Mm-hmm. Talk shit, get hit. <laughs> snitches <laughs> get stitches. Mm-hmm. Snitches get stitches. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome oh, to welcome episode all. 28. <laughs> welcome one and welcome all to episode 28. 28 of Girls Gone Spooky. 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 What kind of accent could that possibly be? I don't know. Spooky. Like weird Australian mixed with like Dutch. No idea. Spooky. I feel real spooky. Actually, no. It sounds like Buck Wild. (laughs) Okay. If anyone here... Was it MTV? Was that MTV? Yeah, it was MTV. Our mascot's fighting me. Stop it, please. Be a nice boy. He's nice going boy. buck wild. He is. Woo! He is going buck wild. There was a show on MTV called Buck Wild, and the intro was Buck Wild. Woo! Woo! And it was, okay, tragically, one of the yeah. main characters, Sean Gandy, a.k.a. Gandy candy. Gandy candy. Because it's Halloween yeah. all year round, <laughs> which honestly tracks with our theme. <laughs> yeah, um, it does. We adored him, mm-hmm. um, but he and his uncle died in a mudden accident, yeah. which is very tragic, but also It's mudden. fitting. Fitting yeah. for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it was like the exhaust got into the car and it was like monoxide poisoning or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Super sad. But, mm-hmm. but wow. Woo! But they had Woo! like what were they from? Alabama? Um, I thought it was more like Appalachian, like okay. West Virginia or something. Okay, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. But those accents are distinct. <laughs> yes, like, they are. Yeah. That oi sound, like, mm-hmm. I mean, really, like, spiky. Spiky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it is God. really distinct. Okay, also, also, I'm trying to learn a little bit of Portuguese just for shits oh, and giggles. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, no comment, Amy. <laughs> okay, yep. But I'm just, I'm using Duolingo for Spanish. I already speak French. I'm just like, oh, let's just throw Portuguese in the mix. <laughs> it is the most confusing <laughs> language from a pronunciation standpoint. I think oh. it's probably how a lot of like ESL speakers feel about English because yeah. it's not consistent. So like, first of all, I is ew, <laughs> which ew. makes me laugh every time I hear them say it. Ew. <laughs> uh, ew. Ew. Um, but like certain words, like mulher is woman, but then uh-huh. sometimes there's like, it's mulher, like with a J sound at the end. And I'm like, why? When? <laughs> when and why? Like, and there's no context. It's like, it's like choose your own adventure. Literally, I'm like, is it because there's a period after it? Like, is huh. it? Is it because it's just the word on its own versus with an article? Like, I don't know oh, the weird. rules, and they're yeah. not explaining the rules to me. And when you, you know, like with Spanish, every every. Like the sounds are so consistent. Like yes. it's like you know you where the st- emphasis goes yeah. because of the accent and all of you say all of the letters. Mm-hmm. This is like you Not say <laughs> you say most of the letters if you're saying it slowly 
But when mm. they start talking fast, I'm, it's just like straight over my head. Yeah. Like, and these are simple phrases like, I drink water. Like, <laughs> like come again? Like, it's wow. so brutal. And I think it's just one of those things where you probably have to like develop an ear for it. But yeah. I just am like, oh, this is a big yikes. Like I am yeah. bad at this. So. Oh, well, it's a challenge. That's such a pretty language though. It is such a challenge. Well, it's funny you say that because I was talking to a French speaking friend and he was like, it's the ugliest language. And I was like, what? (laughs) But he was like, Portuguese from Portugal, he doesn't find to be pretty, which I don't think I've ever even heard. Like, I think Brazilian Portuguese, I'm sure it sounds different. Yeah. Interesting. Like Mexican versus Spanish. Uh Spanish. Yeah. Um, But anyway, that just reminded (laughs) me, spiky. Ew. Spiky. Interesting. That's so yeah. spooky. <laughs> that means I am spooky in Portuguese <laughs> slash Appalachian. <laughs> perfect crossover. A wonderful crossover. Perfect sense. Total sense. <laughs> Logical. It's good. We're good. Uh-huh. Like a Brazilian Jesus. exchange student in <laughs> West Virginia. <laughs> It was a culture <laughs> shock. Oh my god, I can't imagine. Oh Ugh. god, that's pretty funny. Yeah, even like even like I am like the word for am is spelled S O U, and sometimes mm-hmm. it sounds like sow, and sometimes it sounds like so, and I'm like, but when and why? He's like, please <laughs> give me some explain guidance. It. Explain yeah. it. Because wow. then you're supposed to do these audio recordings, and I'm like to um, speak to try saying yeah. it. I my my palms get sweaty. Like <laughs> no one is around. It's tap to speak. No one else is hearing it, and I'm nervous. I'm like, but if you run dumb. out of those hearts, <laughs> if you run out of those hearts, you can't keep going. <laughs> no, I am running out of those uh-huh. hearts. Let me tell you. Actually, I'm not, which is sort of shocking. But it's just because they give you the answer. It's in front yeah. of you somewhere, so you just have to yeah. reason it out. But oh my god, wow, it's well, rough. Yeah. Amazing. So anyway, well, good for the you. Portuguese adventure is not going well. <laughs> <laughs> well, get there, hopefully. Yeah, well, we'll see. I I'm mean, sure. I may never have to get there, but I'm going to try. Yeah, it's worth a shot. It's good it's for your brain. Shot. It's good like for my that, brain. Exactly. There's a, I, of course, in typical fashion, I read the headline, not the article, about that guy <laughs> who speaks 24 languages. Did you see that? <laughs> I didn't read it either. <laughs> I watched the video of him, like, seamlessly going through all these languages. It was amazing. But I don't know why, like, what was the point of the article? Mm. (laughs) I think they did a brain scan, maybe. But still, that's Well, he had some very, like, non-academic job. Like, not Mm -hmm. corporate, not – he's not, like, a linguist. Well, he's obviously a linguist. But, like, he's, like, a – like, um, I don't know, he did something like landscaping or something yeah, like, like that. that was very like, some kind. Yeah, with your hands. So it's like, mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. This is, this is brilliant. Yeah. Amazing. I know. Yeah. That is That's cool. Wild. So cool. Maybe I'll read the article one day. I won't. <laughs> Let's just be really honest with ourselves. I will not. If it comes um, up again, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Which now that we've talked about it, it probably yeah. will. Yeah, true. It's listening. 
Always. Um, okay, sorry, that was a long tangent yeah. about my failed attempt at Portuguese. Journeys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also R.I.P. Sean Gandhi. Fuck wow. Yeah. Fuck wild forever. <laughs> um, and also spoiky. Stay spoiky. Spoiky. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so we're continuing on our journey. <laughs> Uh-huh. through haunted cities in the u.s we will expand out of the u.s eventually yes but for mm-hmm. now yes um let's see should i go first yes okay, go i think first. you're up okay so we have talked about the salem witch trials in the past but we haven't talked that much about salem just generally and like haunted places there in modern times um so i wanted to talk a little bit about just like briefly skim over the history again just as a refresher and then there are a couple locations that i think are interesting okay so for context colonists first settled salem in 1626 um roger 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 conan (laughs) is credited as the founder of salem along with several other nearby communities he was Puritan and, not so surprisingly, a bit of a violent extremist mm-hmm. <laughs> and opposed any religious differences from other organized groups. This involved mm-hmm. resistance to Catholics, Quakers, and other religions, including those rumored to be witches. Mm-hmm. So Puritanism, as if you've studied American history, you know, is a very prominent characteristic of Salem and just generally, like, New England at this time in in America's history, um, there were over two hundred people accused in the late sixteen hundreds um, during the witchcraft child trials um, persecution that was at the time unique to America as opposed to Europe, which was actually more liberal at the time. But only nineteen were executed by hanging, so others were executed other ways or died in the tests because, mm-hmm. as you probably remember, it was like. If you float, you're a witch. And if you sink, <laughs> you're human. And just, yeah. you know, whatever. So there was a ton of, like, mass hysteria that just kind of circled all of this. Um, there were two specific religious authors, Joseph Glanville and Minister Cotton Mather, both of whom tried to basically, like, like um, stoke the public's fear of demons and ghosts and and talked about witches as working with the devil and giving away Mm -hmm. their souls um so just lots of really kind of dark dark shit um and the leaders of of the of the settlement were just like kind of really just like sticks in the mud i would say so that's a mild way to put it but i'd say sticks in the mud yeah um there were actually rumors of witchcraft villages, they were called, which persisted for years before the trials, um, especially under Cotton Mather's leadership. He claimed to have seen evidence of witchcraft and curses placed on children, including those of the well-known Mason John Goodwin. Not only were various witches accused, well, witches in quotes, mm-hmm. accused of casting spells, but four out of six Goodwin children began to suffer from strange fits and exhibit bizarre behavior, which is hmm. really interesting yeah. because it's like there's so many different things that could like there's so many different causes for that. Like mm-hmm. one if there's some, what's that thing? Munchausen by proxy. If it's like yeah. maybe 
was making them sick intentionally to prove Mm -hmm. a point. Yeah. Two, the kids were revved up by the whole thing. And because their dad was so involved, started doing it of their own accord. Or three, my (laughs) favorite theory, Mm -hmm. the actual witches were getting punishment on this motherfucker. And we're like, (laughs) through the kids. kids Yeah. Interesting. So, those are just, please mind you, like my subjective theories. That is not from anybody else <laughs> making that shit up. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. So, I think that we talked a bit about like Anne Putnam and um, Sarah Osborne. There was like the the girls. There were the young village girls, and this is in the 1690s who began exhibiting really bizarre behaviors and they like blamed this like elderly woman as being, having cursed them as a witch. Did we, did we talk about that? Yeah. I feel like we did. Was the okay. woman Bridget Bishop? Does it um, say that? She was the yeah. one who was hanged first. Yeah. The first but, one to be tried yeah. and hung. Yeah. There were um, others there. So, so today some actually speculate that the cause of those weird behaviors may have been poisonous mushrooms mm-hmm. that they had yeah. ingested poisonous mushrooms the um, fungus yeah exactly mm-hmm. and then there were three older women um tutuba who was an enslaved woman from the caribbean a homeless woman named sarah good and an elderly woman named sarah osborne um tutuba actually admitted to witchcraft um mm-hmm. but that confession was likely tortured out of her, which is so heinous. Um, Mm. And as soon as she confessed, she began accusing others of the same crime. So that's Mm. kind of interesting, but also she was enslaved. So I don't really blame her. Yeah. Um, So hysteria followed from that. Um, Bridget Bishop became the first woman tried and hung. Um, Mm -hmm. They didn't actually last just as a reminder. They didn't last as long as as I think we think, like mm-hmm. I always thought the witch trials were like 60 Dragged years. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's not. It was basically by the early 1700s. And this was, you know, 1692 that this started by the early 1700s, yeah. it was done. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, there are a ton of haunted attractions today in Salem, as you can imagine. Um there so judge john hawthorne's name comes up a lot in in discussion of the trial since he was the quote hanging judge who sentenced many of the accused to death um william hawthorne was his father and an earlier an early settler of salem um but so the son was much more vindictive and so william wasn't like a bad dude it doesn't sound like his son was the judge and he was brutal really Mm -hmm. vindictive he never recanted for his role in the trials he's like one of the few who like never apologized or said like i did something wrong um there is a curse that is reportedly placed on the man present at sarah good's execution reverend nicholas noise um Ironically, he died of an aneurysm a few years later. Uh, Sarah's reputation, however, was eventually cleared of any witchcraft. But here's my thing. So innocent people died, correct? Mm -hmm. So like these were not witches. If they said admitted, quote, admitted they were, it was probably tortured out of them. It was like you either say you are or you die. And you die either way. So they would admit to it and then 
were executed. Well, 19 of these, these people were executed, but I'm not convinced that there wasn't like her saying like, I curse you. I hex you like just to scare them in her last moments. Like I would probably do that too. I'd be like, yeah, fuck you guys. Like, I didn't do shit. You want me to be the monster? I'll be the damn monster. (laughs) If a witch, a real witch overheard that and was like, I got you, sis. Yeah. And then she's like, aneurysm, you know? Could be. Aggressive. Aneurysm. (laughs) Aggressive. But look, I don't know. It's like with the kids. Right? That's what I'm saying. It's my theory. So, of course, I think it's good. It had to have been a coven, right? (laughs) If there were real witches. See? In a coven. Yeah. Hanging out, doing fun stuff. Hell yeah. I mean, remember in our witchcraft episode, that theory from the anthropologist about why the image of a witch on a broomstick came about? Oh, my God. I forgot. (laughs) That's what they're doing together out there in the woods. Ooh, there's some sexually repressed people. Yeah. Yeah. Big yikes. Big yikes. Yep. Um, okay, so John Hawthorne, going back to this guy, he there is there's a lot of curse, a lot of curse lore in here. Um, John Hawthorne's grandson, Nathaniel, wrote a novel, but so William was the the settler, John was the judge. This is his grandson, Nathaniel. He wrote a book called the House, a novel called The House of Seven Gables, that was loosely based on his experiences visiting the haunted house, also called the House of Seven Gables. Mm-hmm. Um, it was first built in 1668 and was kept alive for three generations. Um, Susanna Ingersoll, who was a relative of Nathaniel, inherited the house and eventually turned it into a museum. And Ingersoll's ghost is said to still wander the halls and look out Hmm. windows at unsuspecting visitors. (laughs) 100,000 visitors come to the museum every year with many reporting cold spots and disturbing energy fields coming from the house. In addition Hmm. to seeing someone in the window. Hmm. So Nathaniel thought it was haunted it's clearly still thought to be haunted, even though the ghost who mainly haunts it was the one who turned it into museum. So who knows? Hmm. Who knows what spirits are running amok in there? Interesting. Um, so the judge, Judge John Hawthorne, he's buried at a cemetery called, well, it used to be called Old Burying Point Cemetery, which like, not very creative, guys. Um, and now it's called Charter Street Cemetery. Um, and according to some, Hawthorne's ghost might still roam the area and has appeared in some photos and videos taken in that still. Cool. So I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I came across a couple photos. I want to, like, take a closer look at them. So maybe I'll mm-hmm. post one of those. Okay. Um, there's one called the witch house that I'm going to get to in a little more detail in a moment. So I'm going to skip over that one for now. Um, the Joshua Ward house, it's not connected to the Hawthorne presided trials. Um, but it was another bills building that was used for witch persecutions. There was a man, Sheriff George Corwin, who was well known for torturing accused witches and lived inside the Joshua Ward house. Um, hmm. his nickname was the strangler. <laughs> Like, he just lived among the casual. Like, oh, hey. George the yikes. Strangler's out for yeah. coffee. Like, what the Watch hell? Out. Protect your Watch neck. Watch out. 
watch, <laughs> hide your kids, hide your wife. He's strangling everybody out here. Um, <laughs> he interrogated many of the women accused, women and men, actually, and brutalized a lot of them into confessing. So, like, tortured mm-hmm. them into confessing that they sold their souls to Satan. Um, his torture method- methods were, in fact, legal at the time, but unconscionable to those who knew him. So people mm-hmm. were like, not a fan, but it was legal. Yeah. Um, right. He tortured Giles Corey, who was an accused warlock, by crushing him to death with large stones. Oh, yikes. Um, yeah. Some believe Corey might have received his retribution on Corwin from beyond the grave since Corwin died in the same building years later due to a mysterious blood ailment. <clears throat> Interesting. That's kind of odd. Guy, and who knows like what other kind of shit he did before he killed him by crushing him with stones. So yeah, like bloodletting or something. Yeah. Weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Giles Corey's ghost, as well as Corwin still supposedly haunt the site. Um, there's another unnamed. So that's like the main, those are the two main ghosts. There's another uh, female apparition that's been spotted and is believed to have been another victim of Corwin's. Um, there's a very, very creepy photo of her that was taken by accident by a realtor and the realtor was like saw it and was like hell no so (laughs) i'm gonna definitely post that one because it's freaking creepy as hell i can't wait Um, to see it it's really scary it's it's like not super clear but it's a person i mean it's like there's a person standing there um, and it's just her. She's all you see. It's, oh, it, wow. I like really don't want to look at it anymore. It's really <laughs> creepy. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So the spirits inside the building um, are thought in, in the uh, Joshua Ward house are actually thought to be potentially physically dangerous because a lot of witnesses have suffered burning scratches or even the feeling uh-huh. of their neck being touched or even oh, like no. strangled from behind. So people get like physically messed with Beat in, up. That, yeah. in that place. Yeah. <clears throat> there is a, a haunted hotel called the Hawthorne Hotel, of course, named after <laughs> William and unfortunately also John. Um, it's a very well-known site for paranormal activity. It doesn't have a connection to the t- to the trials. It was built in 1923, um, but it has a history to hauntings that predate the construction so the land where the hotel is is believed to have been an apple orchard owned by bridget bishop um so there's just it's interesting like maybe she's the one kind of haunting it or like her energy is just kind Mm -hmm. of there um, on that land to to go into that a little further her ghost is well known in salem um accused and executed in 1692 as we know um, many believe that she her, her ghost remained on the land afterward, um, the same spot where her apple orchard was located. According to the legend, she occupies the Hawthorne Hotel and is commonly seen on the sixth floor, materializing in front of rooms 612 and 325 before quickly disappearing. Um, many guests also report feelings of uneasiness, uh, mostly in those two rooms, which supposedly have strange plumbing and lighting problems, not to mention disembodied voices that wake people during the night. The last one on this that's actually like kind of sweet is visitors also report curious phantom smells of apples baking. Final tribute to Bridget. 
That's nice. So, yeah, I kind of <laughs> liked that one. Yeah. Um, there is a historic district of Salem called Derby, um, which was once like a red light district um, <laughs> for the like port area of Salem. A lot of sex, a lot of drinking happened like more so um, when when the witch hunts faded. So like during the witch hunts, it was like all focused on religion. You know, everyone was just like, they were like really cracking the whip on the Puritan shit. So Mm -hmm. after the witch hunts were done, there were, there was just a lot more sex and drinking. And there was also a Shanghai problem there as well. (laughs) So similar to Savannah. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Very odd. Um, So there were, um, Allegedly, a lot of spirits haunt this neighborhood, um, and there are lots of pirate ghosts specifically um, who are sometimes Mm. reported around the port area. Spooky. So kind of interesting. There are Mm -hmm. some others that I could I could go into more detail, but it's it's mainly like restaurants and things like that. So I'm just going to skip skip over some of those and get a little bit more into the witch house and the Pikmin house. So, okay. We'll start with Pikmin. So the history of the Pikmin house is it's located on 43 Charter Street. It was built by Samuel Pikmin in 1665, who was a sailor, much like the majority of the population at that time. Once Mm -hmm. the colony had been established, the town's port attracted a lot of wealthy merchants and mariners. So it's no surprise that many of the early constructions in the area belonged to people in that line of work. So again, lots of sailors. Um, Mm -hmm. The house was purchased in 1964 by Historic Salem, Inc., with the intent to preserve its history and unique (laughs) architectural style, because similar to like, you know, like New England style homes, like it had its own distinct look at the time in Salem. Um, And the company began the restoration, but was unable to finish it. So a few years later in 1969, the property was sold to a man who completed the restoration Um, in the late seventies, they started doing tours showing off the inside of the property. And according to Debbie Murray, who was a former Pikmin house tour guide, each one of the rooms had a button activated mannequin along with 17th century (laughs) paraphernalia. So it's just like, like the mannequins were like historical figures. It was like a, like a a historical, it's a historical museum basically. Mm -hmm. Um, The house was later purchased by the Peabody Essex Museum to conserve the historic significance of the site and has remained under the same ownership. And what's interesting is that the Salem Witch Trial Memorial, which I didn't even know existed, Mm. was actually built behind the Pickman House in 1992. So there are markers Mm. placed to commemorate all of the people who were executed during the witch craze. And right next door to the Pikmin house is the old Burying Point Cemetery, which is where mm. John Hawthorne is born or is born, is buried <laughs> and allegedly haunts. <clears throat> so um, those like the house, the Salem Witch Trial Memorial and Old Burying Point Cemetery, they're they all constitute what's known as the Charter Street Historic District. So these are all like historic mm-hmm. landmarks now. Mm-hmm. Um 
So there were a bunch of famous people who resided in Pickman House over the years. Um, one was a French painter, Michel Felice Cornet. Um, she was famous. He was famous, excuse me, for marine paintings, murals, and portraits. Um, but his most important accomplishment was introducing the tomato to the new world, what? which I thought was just <laughs> wow. so cute and funny. Yeah, when he arrived. Yeah, when he arrived in Salem, he noticed that no one ate them. New Englanders actually thought that the fruit was poisonous, fruit, <laughs> vegetable, you know, whatever you think. Yeah, we know. Um, we know. <laughs> um, tomato, tomato. Um, mm-hmm. But he actually had grown up in Italy and was, of course, accustomed to eating tomatoes. Yeah. And so he would sit on his stoop and just eat them to prove they were <laughs> poisonous. <laughs> it was fine. Wow, how funny. Yeah. So it actually, he actually like forever changed New England cuisine. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's just so, so funny. So That's amazing. Thank goodness for him. I know, right? Really good pizza in exactly. Boston. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness for that. Um, so another significant resident was a judge and chief of justice, Benjamin Lind Jr. Um, although it's been confirmed that Lind lived in the house. They don't actually know when. Um, He's famous for his involvement in the 1770 Boston Massacre trial um, after an argument between a British soldier and a wig maker turned into a bloodbath, basically. Mm -hmm. So a couple famous people who lived there, um, but it's actually more famous for the dead people who seem to live there than the living ones. Um, It's actually has a reputation for being one of the very oldest buildings in Salem, which is really quite Mm. cool. Um, So of of course it's haunted. It's just old as shit. (laughs) Um, uh, The origins of the hauntings have been attributed to a lot of gruesome deaths that occurred there for the most part. Many of the stories have been passed down orally from generation to generation and have basically just become like local folklore. So Mm -hmm. there's, you know, maybe some half truths, maybe full truths, who knows? I'm sure there's some embellishment along the way. Um, But there's one particularly gnarly one that's a murder suicide that was said to have taken place in the 19th or the 18th century, excuse me. So according to a local legend, a family of three had moved into the home, a man, his wife, and his seven-year-old daughter. Shortly after settling in, the man's mental health began to deteriorate, declining each day until he reached the point of insanity. He claimed he could see and hear demons in the home, and in his struggle to fight the evil entities that plagued his existence, he became increasingly irritable. His violent outbursts would horrify his family, each one more jarring than the one before. One day, amid one of his maniacal episodes, he chained his daughter in the attic, deprived Mm -hmm. of all of the comforts she once enjoyed, as well as the things she obviously needed to survive. Mm -hmm. She was like, defecated urinated Uh, in this same place was not fed was alone was i'm sure super scared she basically was just waiting to die at that point um his wife was terrified she wanted to protect her daughter but she was also so scared of her husband knowing what he was capable of so she begged her husband to release the child but you know he just didn't care eventually he got tired of his wife bothering him basically gathered rope and tied her to a tree in his yard he made his way to the kitchen this is really brutal Mm. he made his way to the kitchen where he began to heat a large block of wax oh 
(laughs) After the wax had come to a rolling boil, he grabbed a cast iron pot and poured it over his restrained wife's head. Oh, no. And unfortunately, she did not die quickly. Mm -hmm. So she was screaming. Torture, yeah. And as that was happening, he went back inside the house and hanged himself. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So although there were actually three simultaneous deaths in the house between the man, the wife, the daughter, Mm -hmm. um, the spirit of the starving daughter is the one most often seen. Um, Mm -hmm. While snapping photos of the building, visitors have often captured what looks to be like a young girl staring out of the second floor window. Um, Mm -hmm. Employees of the museum across the street claim to have heard disembodied voices at night, particularly voices that sound like children. Um, and then just as on top of that, there have been, uh, uh, pictures capturing bright orbs, human faces floating inside the house, just weird photos of weird shit. Yeah. So that is the dark history of the Pikmin house. Mm -hmm. So next on the list (laughs) and actually last one for Salem. And then I have a couple quickies for San Francisco, my home. Um, So the witch house is located at 310 Essex street in the McIntyre historic district of Salem. Um, The witch house is the only surviving structure with direct ties to Salem's witch trials. Um, the haunts of the house extend past the hysteria. Um, but again, it's the only things, the only building still connected to the witch trials. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a lot of information here on like, like architectural history, just because it is like historically architecturally important for the mm-hmm. region, but let's get past some of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the Corwin curse is, is the first thing here. So from 1684 to 1690, the witch house bore testimony to tragedy. So Jonathan and Elizabeth Corwin had five new children, all died young. John born 1684 died at nine weeks. Margaret born 1685 died at six months Anna, born 1687, lived longer than her siblings, but suffered premature death at the age of 19. Two additional deaths would occur by 1690, with the loss of Jonathan Corwin Jr. by his third month and Herbert by his eighth week. So these kids, like, did not live long. Yeah. Um, Except for the one daughter Mm -hmm. who lived to be 19. Jonathan and Elizabeth Corwin continued to inhabit the home until 1717, yet were no longer the heads of household. The witch house was instead overseen by their son, the Reverend George Corwin. His oversight was interrupted by his also untimely death. Fever claimed him on no- in November of 1717 and then his wife in 1718. It also claims Jonathan and Elizabeth. So, just a lot of death in this house. Yeah. Like the whole family basically yeah. died in this uh-huh. house. Um, George Jr. and Samuel, a pair of young boys, were all that were left of the Corwin legacy. So Samuel recounted the curse in a later journal, naming death as, quote, that unrelenting evening of mankind, which had made such havoc among his relations. The Corwin mm-hmm. escape- estate then collapsed and the witch house remained. So mm-hmm. the house stands there legacy basically died yeah. so the thought was that basically the family was just 
cursed. Yeah. Um, so before Corwin finished the witch house, the Davenports laid the foundation. Um, they were a prominent family in 17th century Salem. Richard Davenport um, was married to Elizabeth Hathorn. And I don't think that's a typo. I don't think she's related to the Hawthorns because mm-hmm. it's Hathorn throughout the article. So okay. probably a loose connection. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, <clears throat> they were generally uninvolved in the witch trials. Um, and then, but, you know, th- they were a part of the building of the house. Yeah. Um, the Corwin, so Jonathan Corwin supervised the pretrial examinations for the Salem witch trials, which, like, I don't even want to know what that consisted <laughs> no. of. Like, no, there was so much sexual abuse. Happening. Yes, Absolutely. Blech. Um, he was, uh, let's see, da, 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 twice elected to the colonial assembly a decade before this. He was already a leader in, in the whatever settlement. Um, and so the idea was that like Corwin's were just generally like super intol- intolerant, really suspicious, mm-hmm. He like followed in the footsteps of his father and mm-hmm. they were just like, not, not good, not good yeah, dudes. Not good seems. people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they lived there. Um, the witch house underwent a lot of renovation over the years because New Englanders started to adopt the uh, wow, English Georgian <laughs> style. Um, mm-hmm. So there are like different architectural details that, are meaningless to me, to be honest. Yeah. So I won't necessarily <laughs> share them. Mm-hmm. Um, so who or what haunts the witch house? So those wrongly accused of witchcraft or those caught by the Corwin curse are thought to be suspects. Mm-hmm. Um, visitors to the witch house claim to hear disembodied voices. Some feel the chill of an unseen specter, even ghost adventures. Shout out Zach Bacon. <laughs> investigated okay. the witch house during the 19th episode of their fourth season. It holds more than the haunted, however. So inside the wall of the witch house, you will find a black shoe, a superstitious <laughs> ritual to ward off witches. There are also <laughs> witch bottles, which are a counter magical instrument containing urine, hair, pins, oh, and fingernails. Nice. <laughs> nice decor, guys. Nice, nice decor. <laughs> uh-huh. um, the thought was it would protect the house from evil. Hmm. or even catch evil um urine was thought to attract a witch and the pins were thought to catch and contain her um so weird who knows um the witch house also possesses a poppet or a doll used for spell casting or quote sympathetic magic the poppet Hmm. found in the nearby house of bridget bishop may retain residual energy from salem salem's witch trials um Hmm. especially since she was the first executed um so the witch house never actually housed any reported witches i mean who knows maybe they were um (laughs) but it bore witness to salem's witch trials so the the principal resident judge jonathan corwin would oversee the execution of 19 accused of witchcraft um so the mason and remodeler Daniel Andrews even would would face accusations of witchcraft, although he would eventually be acquitted. Like no one was safe. No yeah. one was safe. Everyone was accused. 
Yeah, there was one judge and 12 jurors who apologized for their part in the persecutions, but Corwin never said Never, anything. yeah. So um, eight Corwin lives were lost to premature death in the home. It was just tragedy all around and like bad juju I feel mm-hmm. just like with like yeah. bad people living in there and just like not not great. yeah mm-hmm. um so the witch house remains first and foremost a testament to those affected by the Salem witch trials while we cannot undo the crimes against them neither their imprisonments nor their wrongful deaths we can remember the injustices enacted upon them this remembrance with hope may prevent us from repeating the 1692 witch hysteria so mm-hmm. that is Salem. Wow. Interesting. I really want to go there. Me too. Let's go. We gotta go. <laughs> yeah. We, we really go. should. Yeah, I'm super down. Yeah. Such interesting history. And yeah, I'm descended from Bridget Bishop's husband, <gasps> which I think I talked about before. You did. I forgot. <laughs> so family ties. We're family ties. <laughs> She's a witch. <laughs> But love yeah, I would love it. to go. Maybe wow. we should go on Halloween sometime. Let's go. Hell yeah. That'd be so fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh let's my do God. It. Um, okay. We're taking a trip to the West Coast, guys. So these are kind of quick ones. Like SF, I feel like has a lot of, there aren't like, there's not like one big story. It's not like yeah. the witch trials, right? It's like yeah. little hauntings kind mm-hmm. of all over the place. So, um, I'll just kind of go through the list because I just have a handful of them. So Haskell House, which is at Fort Mason, um, there are actually dueling politicians who haunt the site. Um, U.S. Senator (laughs) David Broderick was shot and killed during a duel with State Supreme Court Justice David Terry in 1857. Why a Supreme Court (laughs) Justice is dueling, I don't understand. I mean, State Supreme Court, but still. Yeah. And when the military had ownership of Fort Mason, a lot of officers actually reported seeing Broderick's ghost roaming the halls of the Haskell House, which I don't really consider like military men to be superstitious, really. So it kind of surprised me that officers were like, I just saw a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) True. Um, So then there is the Neptune Society Columbarium, also known as the Harvey Milk Burial Grounds. Um, It's... It's a um, burial site for loved ones' ashes um, that are housed within mm-hmm. this, like, actually really beautiful domed building. Um, it's used uh, – it's been used as a burial ground for 18 – since 1898. Um, so people can go and visit their loved ones' ashes. It's not bodies, but ashes. Um, but there are repeated claims of being touched by a small hand as well as seeing the ghost Mm -hmm. of a young girl whose ashes are known to be buried within the building. Uh, hmm. Interesting. Um, Very interesting. Of course, Alcatraz, um, you know, many famous or perhaps infamous uh, inmates that were at home in Alcatraz for a time. Um, It's known to give tourists and locals the wig. Um, so visitors have heard voices, clanging doors, footsteps behind them, as well as felt unnaturally cold in the dining hall. Um, Mm -hmm. others have reported feelings of dread as they see and smell quote the thing. So there's, there's, yeah, (laughs) creepy. There's so much weirdness about Alcatraz because the thing is like, 
it's a prison, right? And so when you yeah. go to Torah, you, well, it was, it's not anymore, yeah. <laughs> but you know that it was a prison at one time and that mm-hmm. automatically gives it like creepy vibes. Yeah. It's yeah. cold. It's like that scene in Harry Potter where they, <laughs> the, um, his aunt and uncle take him in the first, the first movie or book, oh. like they take him out to that. Yeah. Rocky, isolated. yeah, yeah, isolated. That's like, what about. I think of. Like when I first saw that that in in movie form, I was like, "Oh my god, it looks like Alcatraz." <laughs> I mean, um, Alcatraz, Azkaban, exactly. It's one, hey, it's one and the same. Um, so it looks like that. Um, <laughs> and you, it's cold. It's like yeah. all cement. Like it's not right. a cozy place. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it's cold in the dining hall. I don't know that I felt unnaturally cold, but anyway. Mm. Interesting. So that's Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. Um, the Curran Theater, which I have been to many a time. In 1933, there was a robbery there and a ticket taker, Hulit Tar, was shot and killed. Um, mm. He seems to have stayed in the theater, though, and guests have reported seeing him in the lobby. Others have spotted mm. the ghost of a little girl who is believed to have been killed across the street. I don't know the story of her, yeah. but... I would want to kick it at the theater too if I yeah. was a fun place to hang out. Yeah, yeah. like let's go over there. Yeah, let's blow this popsicle stand. <laughs> um, there's a show on tonight. Someone sounds exactly what she sounds like. I'm sure. <laughs> let's blow this popsicle stand. There's a show on tonight. Okay, I'm done. Just someone <laughs> help. Um, okay, City Hall apparently is also haunted. Oh, um, yeah. City Hall was actually destroyed in the 1906 earthquake and fire mm-hmm. that happened right after. Mm-hmm. And it was rebuilt in 1915, but the new building has actually seen a lot of tragedy and allegedly many hauntings. Mm-hmm. In 1978, Dan White assassinated Mayor George Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk after a d- dispute, which I think most people know Harvey Milk. Um Since then, security officers have heard strange noises and seen paranormal activity whenever the hall appears empty. So just creepy vibes after the assassination. The San Francisco Art Institute, um, built in 1900 near Russian Hill in North Beach, where I used to live, Mm -hmm. uh, the Institute (laughs) might have invoked the wrath of upset spirits as it's said to be built atop an old graveyard. Mm -hmm. Inside, spooky, you might hear screams, approaching footsteps, or perhaps even see an apparition. Hmm. Construction workers working on the tower have had their equipment moved or broken, lights turned off on them, and even screamed at to get out. Hmm. Get out. (laughs) I would, yeah, I would hate that. I would, I would haul ass. (laughs) I would get out. I would haul ass out of there, yeah. Um. This one, I'll I'll end on this one. There are a few others, but actually, no, I have two. I have two. One's <laughs> creepy and one's actually really cute. Golden okay. Gate Park. Um, there are two spirits that are known to haunt Golden Gate Park. The first resides at Stowe Lake with the White Lady, of course. Um, uh-huh. More than 100 years ago, this is sad, a mother was walking around the park with her baby in a stroller. She sat down and began a conversation with another woman. After a while, she realized the stroller was missing and frantically asked if anyone knew where her baby was. It dawned on her that the stroller was in the lake and she went in after it. Take a walk around Stowe Lake at night and she might come out of the lake to ask if you've seen her baby. Uh Which would scare 
the living yeah. shit out of me <laughs> to see a woman emerge from Stow Lake. Oh, like I would yeah. lose my goddamn mind. Um, <laughs> There are other reports of people getting a ticket from a police officer in Golden Gate Park to find out that the issuing officer hasn't been on duty for (laughs) many years. He likes to ticket people for traffic violations, but he can't seem to follow you out of the park. Well, (laughs) so that one's kind of in one place. That is cute. Exactly. The last cute one. So the Queen Anne Hotel, built in the 1890s, the Mary Lake School for Girls. it was a Victorian mansion, and it's haunted today by one of SF's friendliest ghosts, Mary Lake, who was the headmistress. She was distraught when the school closed due to a lack of resources and funding, and it seems she never truly gave up on her position. Most occurrences are in Lake's room, room 410, which obviously is now the Queen Anne Hotel, where mm-hmm. she might unpack clothing, pick up items <laughs> that have fallen, and even occasionally tuck guests in when they aren't oh. properly under the cover. Isn't that cute? That's nice. Mary, you little cutie. Sweet. I think I'd still be freaked out, but that's nice. Oh, I'd be horrified, (laughs) but yeah, it is nice. Yeah, I would be so scared. She's very well intentioned, but also like, don't touch me when I'm sleeping or at all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. So (laughs) that is Salem and SF. And I'm passing the mic. Good stuff. How cool. So much stuff to talk about. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yes. Okay. So I just have one place today, which is Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And, but first, actually, I have something that happened to me just yesterday. And I haven't had anything in a while. So (laughs) I'm pretty... I don't know, kind of excited, kind of freaked out. (laughs) But um, so my sister and her boyfriend are trying to buy a house. So I've been going with them to tour houses. Oh, my God. And (laughs) a haunted house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I went to one yesterday. And it was a fine house. Like, upstairs was nice. I didn't feel anything weird. We went into the basement, which wasn't even fully underground. So it was fairly bright down there. It wasn't like a dark, dank basement or anything. Right. But when I got in there, I suddenly felt so heavy. Like there was just some heavy, bad energy down there that it felt like I was trudging (laughs) through almost. Oh, my God. And like my arms suddenly felt sore. And the weirdest part was I walked into this one room and I had the overwhelming urge to start crying. Oh, I don't like that. (laughs) Yeah. So there's something like, I guess, sadness down there. Maybe a loved one died down there. Like the basement was, it had a kitchenette and everything. So like it could have been lived in by somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So we were wondering, like, maybe grandma or someone. It didn't feel bad, but it felt really sad. And I haven't had that sort of experience in a long time. (laughs) So I don't know how to interpret it. But I did wake up last night at 3 in the morning. (laughs) Uh, Oh, dude, Um, that just gave me such goosebumps. I don't like that. (laughs) So I don't know. It was interesting, but I was like... I don't think you should buy that house because mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think it's anything evil or anything like that, but still it's but you just don't heavy. Know for sure. 
Yikes. Yeah. And you don't know for sure. Like, what if it's something like something else dark happened in there and it's trying to hide it as something sad, Mm -hmm. you know? I don't know. Yeah. I don't like that. I know. And I was thinking, like, I cry all the time at the drop of a hat, (laughs) but usually there's something that triggers it. Yeah. Like, not like walking into a basement (laughs) suddenly start crying. But yeah. So. That was interesting. I don't know if it was a ghost or some lingering energy, but yikes. I vote ghost. Yeah. So we won't be buying that. That's (laughs) the bottom line. We won't be buying buying that house. (laughs) We will not. I'm glad. (laughs) Okay. So now on to Gettysburg. All right. So the Battle of Gettysburg is its most notorious history. Um, It's often thought to be the most important battle of the American Civil War. And the battle ensued as the Confederacy, so the South, marched to capture Union territory in the North in Pennsylvania, to be precise. And the battle lasted from July 1st through 3rd of 1863 and resulted in over 50,000 casualties over just two days. So, unsurprisingly, many people say that the ghosts of these soldiers are still hanging around all over town. Mm. And there are a couple of videos that, through what I saw anyway, seem to be the most widely shared that Mm. seem to capture ghosts on the battlefield. They're Mm. interesting to watch. And I think that that's a relatively common thing that people can capture Um, But there are also some specific places that are known for their ghosts. So the first one is, um, it's very active in terms of ghost sightings, and it's called the Sacks Covered Bridge. And during the Battle of Gettysburg, three Confederate soldiers who were either deserters or spies, their intentions are unknown, They abandoned their posts and were able to get their hands on some Union uniforms. Mm. So they put them on and tried to blend into the Union ranks as they were passing by Sachs Bridge. But they were found out and they were hanged from the bridge. (laughs) Yeah. And their bodies were left there for who knows how long, but they were left as a warning to any other Confederates who passed by. That's like snitches get stitches, but make yes. it <laughs> but make it scary. <laughs> make it civil war. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they were left there. But nowadays, in addition to being a historical landmark, the Saks Bridge is a common stop on the many Gettysburg ghost tours you can take. Um, as people often see the apparitions of those three hanged men. And there have also been many instances where people feel taps or like grabs on their shoulders when no one is touching them, as well as an inexplicable scent of tobacco that surrounds the bridge. And the guess is that that's the smell of a soldier or a general who's patrolling the bridge while smoking Mm -hmm. a cigar or cigarette, whatever they smoked Mm -hmm. back then. Oh, interesting. Yeah, pretty cool. Okay. Then the second ghosty area is called Devil's Den, which is a fitting name. Yeah. So So 
Devil's Den is a large natural rock formation on the battlefield that saw some of the worst casualties of the battle on day two of the fighting. And presently, it's not uncommon for people to see apparitions there, but the most frequent thing that people report is that technology mysteriously stops working. So when people go with their phones or digital cameras or whatever, try to take pictures, it'll suddenly malfunction. It won't work until they leave. And then it goes back to normal. Interesting. Which kind of makes sense too, given like at the, in the time there wasn't any mm -hmm. technology. Yeah. So we're like, get those whippersnappers and their gadgets out of here. (laughs) Yep, exactly. And yeah, similarly, ghost hunters who have gone to that area to try to investigate. Shout out Zach Bagans. (laughs) All of their fancy equipment will just stop Mm -hmm. working. And then be normal when they leave. So there's something odd. Um, And then I also read an article from The Guardian, who is, it was written by a reporter who went on several of the ghost tours around there, but they didn't go to Devil's Den. So she stopped there on her way out of town. And (laughs) she said that she was a few feet away from her car, headed out, went to unlock it push the button from a few feet away. But then as she approached the car, she saw through the window and heard the doors lock again. Oh, no. (laughs) It was like, there's just something there, whether it's just an electromagnetic field. Oh, I don't like that, though. Something, yeah. So, And this author was a total skeptic. Mm -hmm. So she, like, tried Mm -hmm. to explain that away. Like, maybe I push the button on accident but she was like that swayed me just a little bit on what I thought about ghosts so interesting yeah very but Mm. Devil's Den has a few other things too and actually there was a article written in 1939 that was published in the Harrisburg Telegraph and It told the story of a guy who was driving past Devil's Den when he saw two men carrying rifles jogging along the side of the road. Jogging. (laughs) Yeah, like, (laughs) out for a run. Picturing, like, Nikes and rifles, like bayonets. (laughs) Exactly. They're just out working Nikes and bayonets, baby. (laughs) It's a look. It's a look. for some reason, this guy stopped to ask them if everything was okay. Like, I don't think I would have stopped if I saw people running (laughs) with rifles. With guns, yeah. Yeah, he did. And he asked them if everything was okay. And they said, no, our friend's really injured. And this guy who had been driving noticed that they were wearing some sort of, like, military tattered uniform. But he was like, maybe they're just hunters. (laughs) I don't know. Okay. Or Civil War reenactors, who knows? Yeah, I guess that's true. So he got back in his car and rushed into town, went to the nearest gas station, and was, like, telling the story of what he saw. And the cashier was like, "Uh, don't bother going back. They're not going to be there when you get back because they were apparitions of Civil War soldiers that people saw in the exact same scenario in the exact same spot, like, all the time. 
What? Yeah. Very cool. Oh my god, this this gas station clerk is like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I get it. There are ghosts. God damn. <laughs> Shut up about it. Shut up. Yeah, Buy a Slim Jim and get the fuck out. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, God. But, yeah, interesting. I don't know if that still happens, but I guess it happened often enough that curious. they published it in the paper. So, very curious. Very curious. And then let's see a couple other devil's den things. There are two specific ghosts who have appeared several times there. Um, one is the ghost of a Confederate soldier who mm-hmm. is said to have shown up in at least two very similar instances of people who had gotten lost in the area. Mm-hmm. So he's a nice ghost and he helped in both of these scenarios, helped oh. these lost people find and their he's way a Confederate. Back. Confederate yeah. soldier. Mm. Yeah, and they know that because the people in these scenarios described the exact same look <laughs> and like yeah. they could tell by how they described his uniform that he was Confederate. Yeah. Mm. And his other defining feature is that he's not wearing shoes. So, <laughs> he's mm. barefoot. Barefoot. But, yeah. And then the other one, this is kind of goofy, but they've nicknamed him Ghost Rider <laughs> because <laughs> Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Ghost Rider, he just appears out of nowhere. Um, and usually when he shows up, um, he's accompanied by the sounds of battle, like yelling and gunfire. Oh. And then suddenly he's gone. So... <laughs> Oh my god. I don't know. But, Our, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Our mascot just made a, a like Halloween black cat pose. <laughs> yeah, like he, he was stretching and he was like uh-huh. with his bright green but, eyes. With his bright he green looks eyes the part. Staring me down. Okay, sorry, continue. It's okay. So let's see. Yeah, that's all I had on Devil's Den. Um but there's a couple more spots, so the third one is the National Homestead Children's Orphanage, which... Oh, no. Yeah, this orphanage uh, and this evil lady that ran it. No, the same, God! Same vibes Not as last an evil episode. lady. I know, the Madame Delphine or whatever. Lenore, yeah. yeah um, in New Orleans. So, yeah, yikes. But first, um, the orphanage... It was opened after so many children lost their fathers in the uh, Battle of, of Gettysburg. Yeah. And maybe their moms had to give them up. I don't know what happened, but yeah. they needed a place for these children to go. And the way it was funded is very bittersweet. So a Union soldier named Amos Humiston was killed in battle. And when his body was found, he was clutching a photo of his three children. No. I know. And the doctor, so his name was Dr. John Bournes. He had been tending to the soldiers and he took this photo and decided to publish it in a few newspapers in the area um, in hopes of finding Amos's family. Mm. And this story gained momentum and it was picked up by more newspapers who then purchased the photo from Dr. Bournes. 
And then finally, when Amos's family was found, Dr. Bournes and Felinda, who is Amos's widow, used the money from the sale of the photo to open the orphanage. Wow. So under Felinda's leadership, this orphanage was a great place. The children were cared for and they were really involved in the community. But then Felinda remarried and she left Gettysburg and the orphanage was left in the care of Rosa Carmichael, that who is our evil lady. And pretty much as soon as she took over, rumors were spreading through town that she was mistreating the children. Um, but the last straw was when the children were not present at the Memorial Day Parade. And they played a big role in that always because they were the ones to place flowers on the graves of the Union soldiers. Mm. So when they weren't there, authorities finally went in to investigate. And upon their investigation, Rosa was arrested for aggravated assault of an orphan in her care, and she was fined $20. But for some reason, <laughs> she was able to go back um, and be the matron of the orphanage again, not long after. <laughs> so after that, the abuse picked up because, well, probably because she was angry about having been caught, all that. So it became a daily thing that she would starve the children. She shackled them to the walls of the basement, which they now call a dungeon because that's basically what it was. And she would even strand them in a dirt pit that she dug into the dungeon floor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I know. Evil. Cruel and unusual. Was, yeah. So Ugh. just evil, evil woman. So she would leave them in there who knows how long. Um, very scary, very sad. And so now, not surprisingly, in that basement slash dungeon, um, that's the place that they most frequently will see apparitions of mostly young children. But some people say that Rose's spirit is also stuck in there. And <laughs> Zach Bagans, our favorite guy, he went there and he spent the night in the basement and he was attempting to make contact with the spirit of Rosa Carmichael. Mm -hmm. And I watched the recap and um, oh Zach, God. he is so fun to watch, but he's like such he's so a button pusher that oh, yeah. it's kind of annoying. <laughs> he was like, he was in this dirt pit and he was like taunting Rosa, like, come lock me up like one of your little kids and stuff like that. And just be like belittling so her, weird. kind of obnoxious. Um, yeah. But yeah, they got some audio recordings that mostly sounded like gibberish to me. Nothing. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. It's, yeah, it's like that spirit box thing that's like, and then yeah. you hear like, yeah. And he's like, the children are in the pit. Like, can you yep. hear that? And like, no, but okay. Yep, exactly. I think the one he got was um, he thought it said, I never killed again or something like that. Um, oh. And he was like, oh my God, a confession. <laughs> that <she killed> <laughs> Just so, so weak. Like, not a single leg to stand on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, 
he's something else, but um, he did interview some people and one person said that he had seen many ghosts of soldiers on the grounds of the orphanage. He lived in Gettysburg, so he had spent time around that area. And then there was another person who visited the home and he put an audio recorder into that pit in the basement. And he picked up a recording of a child's voice saying, I'm sorry, which (gasps) is tragic. Oh, that is so sad. Yeah. So bad vibes in there. Um, But you can go visit if you want to (laughs) and see what happens for you. I don't think I have interest in going in there, but... No. It's open. Like if you public. thought that basement made you cry, that basement was <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Now, the final and less depressing spot is the Jenny Wade house. So, out of all 500,000-ish casualties of the Battle of Gettysburg, only one civilian was killed, and that was Jenny Wade. So she's the unlucky one (laughs) civilian who died, Um, which is kind of unbelievable when you think about that. Yeah. 50,000 soldiers died and only one person. Um, But anyway, um, Jenny Wade and her family, they obviously lived in Gettysburg Mm -hmm. and their home was dangerously close to the battlefield. So One day, sadly, a stray bullet from battle broke through the kitchen window of the Wade house Mm -hmm. and killed Jenny as she stood there kneading bread that she was baking for the Union soldiers. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a second stray bullet that went in through one of the bedroom windows and lodged in a bedpost, narrowly missing Jenny's sister and her five-day-old baby. (gasps) Oh, God. Could have been worse, but... Jen, uh, yeah, Jenny was killed by the bullet. Um, and the story goes that when Jenny's sister found her body, she screamed loud enough um, that it alerted nearby Union soldiers. And they oh, wow. came in and helped make a makeshift coffin. And they temporarily buried Jenny in the backyard of that home. Wow. Um, a few months later, when they were able um Jenny was moved to the church cemetery, but then just a few months later, she was moved yet again to a third cemetery. So thankfully the third time was the charm and she Mm. stays in that um, final resting spot. But that poor thing wasn't really laid to rest until years after her death. So yeah, but the Wade house, I know (laughs) it's now a museum um, where you can visit the exact spot where Jenny died and still see the blood stains on the floor of the kitchen. Lovely. Yeah, which, yeah. <laughs> this is another location that Zach Bagans went to when he was in Gettysburg. Um, and they were able to capture more silly recordings <laughs> and images of what appear to be Jenny Wade. And they were prompted to go there because of how frequently visitors to the museum get pictures of a spirit in there, Um, usually that are noticed after the fact, like rather than in the moment. So they'll have taken a photo and then look at it later and be like, uh, (laughs) what is that? That's weird. Yeah. So she's more subtle. But Mm. I left out 
one detail of their family because I wanted the rest of this to shine through, but (laughs) it was in the recap of the episode and I just have to mention it. So the Mr. Wade, the father of the family, he wasn't around much. And when he was, he was abusive and he was a drunk and he would usually just lays around in the basement of the house. Mm-hmm. And again, in Zach fashion, he went into the basement <laughs> and tried to provoke Mr. Wade. And for yeah. some reason, it shows him crawling around on like the bed that they had set up as the museum set. And <laughs> he suddenly leaps up and someone, he says, someone just squeezed my ass. <laughs> <laughs> So he had a ghost, potentially Mr. Wade, squeeze his butt. And it being Mr. Wade is even funnier. Yeah, I know. (laughs) So that's good. That might be an episode worth watching. Just the recap was entertaining. Someone squeeze my ass. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Classic Zach. But classic Zach. The last couple things that are sweet details of her story. So one is that about 20 years after she died, or after Jenny's death, sorry, her mother, Mary, was given a pension from the U.S. Army because they deemed that Jenny had been serving the Union at the time of her death because she was baking bread for the soldiers, which was sweet. And the other part of her story is that Jenny, at the time of her death, was engaged to a corporal named Jack Skelly. And they were said to be very in love, etc. But unbeknownst to the Wades, because of how slow-moving news was at that time, Jack had been critically injured about two weeks prior to Jenny's death. Um, But she didn't know. And just a few days after Jenny died, Jack also died from his injuries, and he did not know that Jenny had died. (laughs) So they just happened to die within a few days of each other. Whoa. And neither had to grieve the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they were like, it gives it a little bit of a Romeo and Juliet, like love story kind of vibe. So because of that, there's this really weird, Uh, tradition, rumor, I don't know what to call it, (laughs) that if you stick your ring finger into the bullet hole that's still in the side of the house, you'll find love or be engaged shortly after. Okay, why is the first (laughs) thing I thought of, like, what if my finger is too chunky? (laughs) (laughs) Just Uh, maybe just the tip. That finger is just the tip. That's so funny. Yeah. So. Oh, that's so sweet. I know. It's a good ending. All right. Let's go shove our fingers in that hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That seems really odd to me, but, you know, I'll try it. Like kissing, kissing the Barney Stone, right? Yeah, that's true. It's also weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true. Oh my God. That's, I guess we have more, like, interesting details than I thought it would. Hang on. Sorry. Uh-oh. I'm malfunctioning again. Oh, it's not you. Binks there has we go. his paw on the mute button. So okay. <laughs> that was me. Sorry. Um, uh, Gettysburg had more, has more interesting details than I thought it would. Yeah, same. At first I was like, this might be really boring. <laughs> but No, it- I mean, 
I figured there would be like interesting hauntings, but I didn't think that the stories would be as interesting. But the, mm-hmm. I guess the thing like I don't ever really think of is like these like towns were just like towns. Like people were mm-hmm. still living there while these wars were ongoing. And I think I just yeah. didn't really like, I would think people would just leave, like go stay with relatives if there was a war ongoing. But mm-hmm. obviously that's not, I mean, look at Ukraine. Like that's not how yeah. it works all the time. Like, yeah, leave that's true. Yeah. And especially then, you know, families didn't really leave the area. Yeah. Like, how would they go? Well, yeah. Walk. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's I mean, so true. You don't see it coming because yeah. it's not like the news is out every day or anything. It's just right. suddenly upon you. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just getting stray bullets coming, coming to the kitchen <sighs> while you're baking bread. Yeah. Sad. That's messed up. That's yeah. messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. What, what a, what a haunted history that is. <laughs> Truly. Haunted AF. Mm-hmm. Just um, the way we like it. Amazing. Well, more Haunted Cities coming, maybe not next week, but we will keep the series going for sure. <laughs> um, TBD on next week's topic. Yeah. Um, we're getting ahead of recording. I'm sorry last episode was late by a day. Sorry, guys. Uh, um, we're trying to be good about Fridays. Friday, <laughs> uh-huh. Friday, Friday. Yeah. Um, and we're going to continue to be good about Friday. But sometimes yes. our schedules just make it a little difficult. So yeah. um, stay spooky, friends. Email <laughs> us with your stories at girlsgonespooky at gmail.com. Follow us on social at girlsgonespooky. Mm-hmm. Um, and stay spooky. Stay spooky. <laughs> So spooky and spooky. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Bye.